We're uh, on the final three pages. Uh, two Sundays ago, we kind of got through the first uh, section or so, um, dealing with uh, the LCMS after about 1981. I put this in the context of our uh, six points uh, that we used in regards to our state of confession at the beginning, and many of these things you're going to see are still kind of issues and, and, and going on as well. Um, as we went through, though, I also showed you that after 1974-5, after the walkout and things of that sort, that there were many that were sympathetic to this, that pastors and leaders that remained within the Missouri Senate, uh, despite the, the change, to say that uh, things turned a corner, it's simply a matter, as I've been explaining, of who's in charge, and those who don't agree kind of get quiet or do their own thing, and, 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 and it goes on. Um, it is still severely uh, divided within Ralph Bowman was elected in 1981, though he was one of the five faithful as regards to the walkout. Uh, you will find that uh, he was one of the moderates, or liberals, uh, as you might say. In uh, moving forward, you saw things like lay leadership, contemporary worship, changes in women in the church. You saw the National Youth Gathering uh, began and this emphasis on on teaching the children. Uh, I could have done kind of the same thing with uh, LWML, Lutheran Women's Missionary League, and how that was uh, uh, changed. I showed you that the charismatic uh, congregations started to, and they were kind of the beginning, 1987, uh, acknowledge their own presence and started to publish Beginning in 1989, we talked about the licensed lay deacons, laymen doing pastoral functions. Um, I gave one example of uh, Dr. Robert Croyce, who uh, was, because of his faithfulness and the things that he said in regards to the ALC and things of that sort, uh, was terminated. As it turns out, he was later, uh, through the adjudication process, was the Commission on Appeals, uh, the charges was dismissed. He was reinstated. After that, they changed uh, this appeals process to a dispute resolution process, which I said uh, uh, did not allow for justice after this is done, and we're going to see what this does mm -hmm. as it goes forward. So that was, again, one of our six points. So, so far, contemporary worship is one of those lay uh Deacons is one of those uh, not being able to have a process in which you can uh, right the wrongs is, is another one of those. Moving on, 1992, due to the conservative efforts, it was a great surprise when Dr. Al uh, Berry, who was a district president uh, and considered a conservative, was... Uh, elected, and uh, Ralph Bowman was not re-elected. That was 1992. Um, I'm going to say that this was celebrated in, in conservative kind of uh, circles uh, quite a bit. And as it turns out, he ends up having about a uh, nine years as synodical president. Um, you have to understand a couple of, of, of things, how things work. There is a synodical president. There were 35, I think it was, district presidents over districts. Now, uh, according to the bylaws, Constitution, the district presidents are simply an extension of the synodical president in the particular places. And so they actually, you know, uh, uh, belong to him. Nevertheless, they are elected 
by the pastors that are in their district. So even though they're elected by them, they don't actually... uh, um, They're not actually responsible to those that elected them because they're serving uh, as a uh, Senate uh, official. That being said, because the district presidents are elected by the pastors and the congregations within their district, the district president normally reflects the theology of those who elected him. And what we find is that, due to the way things are set up, the district presidents, these 35, make up what's called the Council of Presidents, and they pretty well hold all of the power. Is it possible for a synodical president to remove a district president? Yes. Much beyond that, you know, uh, um, you really can't do anything. Um, you can't force them to, to do what, what you want them to do if they're deciding to do it. So pretty well, the district presidents run their districts however they want. Maybe you've heard me talk about the Saltwater District. We're talking about New England, or we're talking about California, Washington, you know, those. They're extremely, Florida, extremely liberal. And they do whatever they want. Um, those in Iowa, used to be Southern Illinois District. You know, some of these, much more conservative. Um, but... Uh, so usually they're asking, you know, well, how many how many good district presidents do we have? You know, you also have in connection with this uh, a board of directors. This is who takes care of the financial, and we would say the LCMS Incorporated for the state, and they take care of, of the purse strings and those kind of things. Uh, but that's for Senate. But the districts collect money, and they determine how much money they send up to Senate. So they take their cut out first. So things are a little more complicated how things kind of work, but it all falls mainly with power under the district presidents. Is a district president that executed discipline on um, pastors who were doing not on... So, discipline would fall under the purview of a district president. If they don't do it, can a synodical president discipline a pastor? No, he's got to convince the district president to do it. He himself can't do it, which really ties his hands. So, when Dr. A.L. Berry came into as synodical president, everyone said, oh, this is great. How much can he do? Well, he's got one, maybe two hands tied behind his back. Um, What did he do? Well, there are some things that he did. So, for example, he helped us form some real-life worship conferences. These were conferences that taught about the liturgy, and about doing things in a proper way, uh, emphasizing baptism and Lord's Supper, you know, a, a Lutheran kind of, of things. Um, he published, uh, some of you might remember these little folders called the What About series, in which he would publish about what about contemporary worship, and he would, but what about um, uh, abortion? What about and he would and he would put forward kind of the synodical visit that which and he put out a lot of good stuff. Um, however, because he was hands were tied, he often had to. I'm going to say uh, uh, do things uh, kind of go around. There was a foundation called the Schwann Foundation, which. He might have a Schwann truck or whatever. He was a Lutheran. He was conservative. He did it. Dr. A.L. Berry, at times, would publish documents, papers, and things, not in the synodical, but the Schwann Foundation gave a grant 
to the somatical president's office, and he himself would publish it, and he wouldn't do it through Concordia Publishing House or something like that. So he was, he was working hard for about nine years in trying in what ways that he could, and he was being stymied by the district presidents, by many different agencies and groups. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, so some people say, well, was he disciplining? Yeah, they, there was no way he could do that. But, uh, um, so, when he came in 1992, everyone said, aha, you know, you heard me say before, yeah, we're waiting for people to die off, and we're starting to, ah, this is it, we're taking the Senate back, and from this point on, it's slow, it's slow, you got to give them, you know, and, and he was doing good things, he was writing good articles, he was, and so you would say, okay, well, we'll give it time, and you know, it's going to take a while, but we're going to come back. That was, that was the hope. What happened during this time? Um, this article uh, at a website, Brothers of St. John the Steadfast, entitled The 23-Year Story of Change-Promoting Organizations in the LCMS. Um, this article itself came out in 2018. The reason that it came out is they said, hey, we're starting to get some new uh, publications, and the publication was called Congregations Matter. Yeah. Morning, now, morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of get the, uh, you know, from Black Lives Matter. Oh, no, no. Congregations Matter. <laughs> and you can see already what, as opposed to what? All of these pastors are the problem, right? Um, it's the congregations that need to call the shots, that need to. And guess what? The congregations have been taught to do contemporary worship and lay ministry and get involved and do all this. So that's what I was going. And they and and so this guy wrote an article. Uh, Martin Nolan wrote an article and said, "Wait a minute." Yeah, if, if, if this is the first you've seen of this, this has been going on for at least 23 years. So uh, what did he uh, show? He goes back and talks about how back, he says, in 1995 uh, that a... Um, uh, he says in 1995... Where is that? Prior to the establishment. There it is. Uh, he says in 1995 there was a new organization called Lutherans Alive. Uh-oh. Woohoo! Lutherans Alive. They published a newsletter called Forward. We got to move forward with the Senate. He says 1995. I was at the seminary till 1991. I remember this coming out. So it, it had to come out. Uh, in 1990, 1991, or something like that. So even further back than that. Maybe it wasn't sent out to everybody at this point. But what were they doing? They were targeting their complaints against President Barry, uh, who was elected in 1992. Um, they were against the practice of closed communion. Um, they were all, you know, they wanted contemporary worship. All of the things we didn't want, that's what they wanted. Uh, this newsletter was published. It was published with return address from Boca Raton, Florida, by a particular printing company who also printed the newsletter for the Florida, Georgia district of the LCMS. Was this, you know, again, Florida, Georgia district, one of the most liberal? Yeah, that's where it all came from. But it's all kind of anonymous. It's all hidden behind names and, and things of that sort. Uh, that was already happening back at this point, and the, my point is, is that they are organizing. And so, if you had the conservatives, who Balance Inc. was putting out the article Affirm, uh, you have the Lutheran Concerns Association putting out the Lutheran Clarion, you've got the liberals, Jesus First, uh, uh, Lutheran Alive, putting out Forward, Following that, there was a group in 1998 called Jesus First, uh, and they published articles uh, from 1998 
until the election of uh, Harrison in 2010. Um, uh, this also was, um, and then after that, recently they've had this new congregations matter, and that's what this came. But my point is, is that the organization at this point, it wasn't just a matter of lay low. It was a matter of, oh, then we're going to, if we're not in control, we're going to organize, and within that, we're going to have conventions, we're going to push forward our agenda. And as they pushed forward that agenda, there were things like this. There was a group in 1998 called PLI, the Pastoral Leadership Institute. Quote, they say they provide advanced leadership training. Leadership was the key word. Leadership is big. For pastors whose hearts burn with passion. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got pastors with hearts that burn with passion for the Not gospel happens. and who have exhibited potential for leadership excellence. This group, PLI, as it was and was all the same people from Jesus First and whatever, they formed, I'll get to you too in this minute, they formed this organization, they got, uh, so then they would come to pastors in congregations and say, we would like to invite you to come to the Pastoral Leadership Institute. Um, this is going to be a three-year program, you're going to come to us for two to three weeks of training, um, you're going to come and... and and then we're going to bring your wife in, and we're, you know, and so, uh, uh, oh, by the way, our training happens to be down in Florida or something, you know, and it'll be warm, and, 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 and we're going to teach you how to do more contemporary worship, we're going to bring people in, we're going to do this. Um, they were training uh, 250 pastors a year into this PLI, or Pastor Leadership Institute. Um, and so, they, it, this is well beyond putting out newsletters. At this point, you are organizing. Um, I got a couple questions, but this is just the beginning of it. Karn? Just a comment that that is still in place. That is still in place. It is still being done. Absolutely. Rachel? It's, if you listen to the words that they're describing themselves with, you know exactly who they are. When they start using communist words, that's what they're teaching. No, it's them. pietism. It, you know, we went back and we talked about that is the words. Everything about that is, you know, the only thing that's different is the term leadership. And so the big thing is, in, in especially in Concordia systems and whatever, you know, we're developing leaders. That's Not right you know. doctrine. Um, and then we started to complain. We kept going, you know, well, yeah, maybe this. And they go, oh, no, it's servant leaders. Servant sure. leaders. That's what we're doing. Leaders that are, that are serving. We're, I don't want to take you off your timeline teaching, but were your antenna up in 95 about what was going on? Yes, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. Well, go ahead. I'm just wondering about uh, the, our other circuit pastors, Bethel. But, you know, that's right. maybe too um, much of the You know, I, I, again, not only did I know this from publication or whatever, I know it firsthand. I got a brother-in-law who was trained in it that, that did things with it and all. Um, I can tell you, after I had been for a while, I became a circuit counselor, so then we started to speak against some of these things. When did you become our circuit counselor? You know, that I don't remember now. Okay. It's It's... <coughs> I just don't remember. Uh, looking at what Rachel said, you know, the choice of the word forward matters because these are people who know what, what words mean something. The use of the word forward matters because forward is a revolutionary slogan deployed by the left innumerable times in the last 150 years. And what it stands for is revolution, long, short, long and short. And so these people, they picked that word specifically for a reason. And their their actions indicate what their what Absolutely. their purpose is. So it's progressive. You know, you don't want to say, "Oh, we want to leave Lutheranism behind and go somewhere else." No, you want to say, "I'm we're moving forward." It's change is what we're going to do. Well, I didn't quite say change because Lutheran That's don't like change. Change goes with it. Yes. Yeah. So it's forward. Yeah. Um, so yes, you have you know the publication of these things, despite the publication from the president's office. 
interesting enough, 1998, and I, I find this fascinating, Commission on Worship, um, which Al Berry had appointed in its convention workbook report uh, entitled Reflections on Contemporary and Alternative Worship, it warns against its incompatibility with doctrine. Okay, so he's getting things published. This is one of those reports that I kept bringing forward, you know, as the Senate, as the district, as the youth, as they were doing contemporary worship. I'm going, listen, our Senate as is still against this. Our Senate officially, and, you know, they're publishing stuff that says, no, this is wrong. By the time we get to 2001, they're saying, let's do it. And let's go full force. Um, so that's, you know, again, is it that quick that it changed? No, it was always going on. It's just that this was when Dr. A. L. Berry, this is later when Kieschnick is in. Um, not only do we have uh, Jesus first, again, Ralph Bowman was a supporter, a big supporter of this, wrote for them, did that, whatever, where you go, wait a minute, you know. Um, more than that, a group called Daystar in 1999 this is not within the Missouri Senate, but a pan-Lutheran liberal association. It wasn't enough that we had those within the Missouri that were pushing this. Those in the ELCA outside of it, their group got together with our liberals and started having a full force trying to change Missouri and to bring them up to speed. And so... Uh, this Daystar group was started publishing uh, online. Um, I'm going to skip over Matthew Becker. I'll come back to that uh, at another time. Two, October 2000, Bowman speaks at the Daystar Free Conference that involved the liberals over there. So, you know, you begin to kind of go, wait a minute. I know what you know, Bowman was about. Other things coming out, uh, a woman named Mary Todd, she's a professor at Concordia River Forest, uh, puts out an article, Authority Bested, uh, puts out a book called Authority Vested, argues for the ordination of women. So now we've got another of our six points. Again, I'm just giving you examples, but these are all things that are going along the whole time. I mean, this isn't the only time ordination women. We have vested women show up on the Jesus First site or Daystar site or things of that sort. And, uh, um, and all. Anyway, for nine years... Uh, Barry is putting out good stuff in publications and all. Um, is it changing things? Well, you hope that by teaching, people are learning and it's going to change. Um, our Lord had another plan. In and, and, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe there would be change after, instead of nine years, maybe 20 years of teaching. At the same time, the problem is that PLI... There is other teaching going on at the same time. And so it's not a matter of, well, you know, a pastor comes in, maybe the congregation hasn't been taught, but he can teach the congregation. There's no other. But if there were two pastors and one was doing liberal and one was doing a conservative, you would be hard to get that. Well, that's what's going on in Missouri. You have two things going on. In March of 2001, I can't remember the whole situation pneumonia, whatever, um, in a matter, you know, he catches pneumonia, he gets this, whatever, and he dies. And we go, wait a minute, we've got a, a, a convention coming up in the summer of 2001. Nobody is able to organize quickly enough, conservative-wise. The liberals have already been pushing their because they're already set up and they're pushing to try to get him out anyway. They ramp it up, and as it turns out, um, the Vice President Robert Kuhn takes over for just a couple of months, and then Gerald B. Kieschnick is elected. Um, he is uh, from the Texas district, uh, a liberal district. Um, he is a part of all of these kind of groups kind of things. When he comes in, you know we're not going to have what happened before. Um, that happens in 2001, and it was a shock. Uh, it wasn't, uh, that was in July that the LCMS has their convention and elects him. There are 
other groups, Missouri Senate Politics, the CTCR, um, is uh, commends a, a document called the Lutheran Understanding of Church Fellowship, um, which which was by and large a decent publication. Um, uh, Resolution 316 at the convention. Uh, this is the one that, that ended up bringing Pastor, or now, now uh, Bishop Heiser's congregation out three years later. Um, they encouraged the use of fruit of the vine in the Lord's Supper. You read the, article, the resolution, it says, we want to encourage congregations to use wine in their celebration of Lord's Supper. Encourage. We go, that's the best we could do? I mean, something which is required by our Lord's mandate, and the best thing you could do is encourage? What were they doing instead? Great juice. In the Lutheran Church. Yes. Missouri Senate. There were plans to rescind the 1989 lay deacon, uh, with Kieschnick taking over, they amended it to continue the practice, and it did continue, lay ministers. There were plans that A.L. Berry, after nine years, was finally going to take care of the charismatic movement. That was tabled and did not happen due to the present leadership. Uh, this did pass, although Kieschnick and them didn't want it to, but it was already lined out to express concern concerning the ACA. You might remember they had just ordained homosexuals and things of that sort. We cannot consider them to be an Orthodox Lutheran church body, which I'm just going to say that's true. But, you know, can you consider them to be Christian if they... Committee number five honored a prior Board of Higher Education decision PLI had applied for official status, which is called recognized service organization status, within the Missouri Senate. In other words, we are an organization, we want the Missouri Senate to approve of us, make us an official, like the uh, Lutheran Layman's League or the Lutheran Layman's and approve of us. They also said that they had plans to have the seminary grant them continuing education credits and that they were going to do this. Uh, Barry had worked with them to deny that based upon what they were teaching, and as it turns out, they were denied RSO status, and they were not allowed to, you know, but they still function, apart from uh, Missouri Senate. In 2001, uh, following this uh, election of Gerald Kieschnick, uh, a conservative group said, well, you know what? All of the national youth gatherings uh, that are quite liberal and doing an work and whatever, we don't want to send our kids to that anymore. We're going to set up a conservative alternative to the LCMS National Youth Gathering. They called it Higher Things. They started that in 2001. And so they started kind of, and again, it was not official, it wasn't RSL, it wasn't whatever. They just said, we're going to start doing this and we're going to pull our kids out of that. Now, that being said, the youth gathering had how many kids? Ten? Oh, it was, it was probably up to 15,000, 20,000. The conservative one had uh, 3,000. Um, they started that in 2001. And then, not long, again, if, if he was elected in July, in September of 2001, uh, you had the terrorist attack, and you had that which followed after, which was at Yankee Stadium, this unionistic, syncretistic uh, prayer for America. President Kieschnick, as well as District President Benke, uh, both participate not only in one, but in two unionistic services with the ELCA. Then, Banky participates in the one that is broadcast, in which he prays behind Muslims, Sikhs, you know, uh, uh, those who worship false gods. Um, and so it, it doesn't take long for controversy to erupt uh, over this. By 2002, January 30th, the second vice president, Wallace Schultz, um, uh, 
agrees to hear the case that has been brought against Banky, who has said, no, I didn't do anything wrong, I'm, that's what I'm doing. Wallace Schultz is a conservative, he is a good guy. Um, he also happened to be working for the Lutheran Layman's League in connection with Lutheran Hour Speaker and things of this sort. Um, by June, six months, five, six months later, he finds Benke guilty of all charges and put, puts him on suspended status. Uh, Benke appeals the charges. Um, I, I'm rushing through, but I mean, there was, there was a lot that was said. Um, in September, Lutheran Allen Ministries terminate Schultz. Ooh, whoa! Um, uh, yeah, our, our, things are not looking good. Um, in April 2003, Kizik avails his new program. It's called The Blaze. Again, all of this is pietistic kind of thing. If that's what we've been dealing with America, we've never been free of it. Um, he's pushing forward with, you know, everything that we've talked about, temporary worship, lay ministry, all, all of those kind of things. Um, let me see how am I doing, 9.30. Um, March of 2003, the Southern Illinois District in Convention calls upon the 2004 LCMS Synodical Convention asking them to investigate President Kieschnick and to overturn CCM rulings. All right. Let me give you a sidebar so that you get the picture. I mentioned last time, who speaks for the Senate? Well, only the Senate in convention speaks officially for the Senate. Okay? In between those three-year conventions, obviously they elect people like the President of the Senate and, and others, and they will speak in between those three years, but when the convention comes, then the convention determines what is the official action of the Senate, and they may approve of what he's done, or they may not approve of what he's done. But just because he speaks up, doesn't mean that that is the Senate speaking. So you always have to go to the Senate in convention in order to find out what is the official action of the Senate. So here's the thing. Kieschnick is elected in 2001. After the convention, a couple months later, uh, uh, September, uh, after he's elected in July, in July, he does the unionistic thing and says what Banky did was fine. Whoa. We've now got two years and 11 months until the Senate speaks again regarding is this right or is this wrong? You just, you just got to wait. Until that time, there are things set up. Wallace Schultz has been to speak about this. President Kieschnick has said no, what Banky did was fine. Wallace Schultz has suspended him. Uh, there are hearings, there are things like that. But you're not going to know until you get to the convention. The convention then is going to happen, the LCMS convention is going to happen in 2004 and 2007. So, what do we do? Well, we speak up about it, one. Two, there are district conventions that also happened in the meantime, before the 2004, the next synodical, there is a Southern Illinois District Convention. So, Trinity Lutheran Church passes resolutions to the district convention and says to the district convention, we ought to speak up about this. The district convention speaks up and says, we're going to send resolutions to the synodical convention. So, we work with our circuit, we work with our district, and all of those then stuck to the synodical convention in 2004. This is the first time that Senate's going to be able to speak about what Kieschnick did. Is it right? Is it wrong? What's the Senate's official position? We're not going to know until 2004. But we speak about it, 
And so we went to the Seminole District and we did pass some resolutions calling upon some change to happen. We're going to get to the rest of this and then I want to give you a little commentary. 2003, in May, the banking matter was officially closed when Wallace Schultz refused to appeal the lifting of banking suspension by the dispute resolution panel. The dispute resolution panel saw what Wallace Schultz did and said, no, we disagree, and they overturned it. Wallace Schultz could have appealed it based upon his termination, based upon all the kind of shenanigans that happened. He said, it's not going to do any good. And he said, simply for the sake of the Senate, I'm just not going to appeal it. Um, I, I, I don't think anything's going to happen uh, regarding this. I strongly disagree with the panel's decision to lift the suspension of Dr. David Banky, but I will not appeal the decision. Our Senate has been through enough of this process. Our Senate has become deeply divided over this issue. Past experience shows that one party repeatedly has violated the prohibition, prohibition against publicity in this case. Therefore, any meaningful appeal process would be useless, if not impossible, since these violations would surely continue. Uh, at this point, the Schultz report is made public. Schultz goes through and cites uh, scripture passages, the Lutheran Confessions, uh, synodical bylaws, showing that everything that Banky did was wrong. And so now, we have to wait. What is the Senate going to say about all the stuff that has gone on? Are they going to accept it? Approve it? Are they going to discipline Kieschnick? Are they going to throw him out? Are they, you know, what's going to happen? And that's kind of where things were. Just a, a note on top of that is that got national attention when Schultz uh, disciplined Banky, and they immediately sent that out to all the news networks, and everybody hated us in the worst light as conservatives that we weren't Americans and patriotic because we wouldn't. Correct. You are correct. Absolutely. It was very public. Um, all right. So that all being said, my commentary on this matter. When this happened, I spoke out about it and said, no, no, no. This is wrong. And here are the reasons why it is wrong. Um, conservatives said, yeah, that's right. And they also spoke up. The liberals said, wait a minute, you can't do that. You, you can't speak up like that. That's breaking uh, Matthew 18. Uh, you need to go and talk to the people. And, and, and I go, no, no, it's public. You know, um, uh, after these kind of things, I let Senate's, you know, I said it was wrong, but I waited until after Senate had actually said something in the meantime, but before 2004. After this point, I said, no. Uh, um, what has, has, you know, has been gone? He is wrong concerning this, and he is unrepentant, and he needs to be called to repentance. At this point, the those in the Missouri Senate made this claim to me, which I thought was very interesting. They said, "Well, um, how 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 can you say that's wrong?" I go, well, Scripture says it. Well, yeah, but the Senate hasn't spoken yet. No. So what does that, you know, you're a pastor, fine. But, you know, who do you think you are? So I've got Scripture, and you think I need to wait until... The Pope. Pope. Yeah. I say the Pope. <laughs> what now? I might as well say the Pope. The Pope. So, it, we know we didn't have a one person. It was the Senate and Convention that determined. And I've noticed with that, and that was the beginning of, when I would bring up things like our six points, when we talked about doctrine, we talked about things, most of the time someone would say, uh, what's the Senate's position on this? <laughs> Which was, what's the new Pope say? That's where we were. Um... We didn't know, as laymen, I'm not going to know whether it's right or not until someone tells me it is. That is absurd. And that's where we were. I continued to speak forward until and we finally get to the LCMS convention. All right.
I'm skipping over some things, but I'll come back to those later. Uh, the LCMS Convention, 2004. We sent resolutions. The district sent resolutions. The circuit sent resolutions. Conservatives sent resolutions. President Skuchik is re-elected by a 53% majority. What we found is that he had created 88 new circuits and 176 new voting delegates. Uh, they were all allowed by exception. They didn't have, according to the bylaws, the right number of congregations and are not confirming membership. Uh, he had, in fact, had uh, created 14.2% more voting delegates. Does this sound familiar? No, it doesn't sound familiar at all. The church never follows culture. We, it never does. We're always doing something different. President Kiesnick, in his first report to the convention, says, in the past few decades, numerous congregations of the LCMS have introduced contemporary worship forms and music in addition, and in some instances, even in place of traditional liturgies and hymnody. And so he directed his newly elected, his commission on worship, which he had appointed, and they directed, and it was passed, to initiate a process towards the development of diverse worship resources for the use in the LCMS. So at this point, we went from, we're against it, to now, we're going to promote it. And from this point on, the Senate, the Concordia Public CPH, are, you know, puts out, if you've been to congregations where you have all printed in the bulletin the thing, and, and it changes every Sunday, CPH writes that. It's sent out electronically. You know, you, it's put together. You, this is not, you know, it used to be the pastor had to do this himself. Now, guess what? Senate will help you to be contemporary and to change and to do it all. And it began with that. Resolution 208, to commend preaching and teaching creation. There were some resolutions that were passed that conservatives brought in. Um, and you might say, what, what, why to commend preaching and teaching creation? Was something going on? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'll come back to that. There was something going on. Um, however, there was also a resolution to affirm district programs that equip laity for worship. California, Hawaii, Nevada, New England, Florida, the ones that are doing lay ministry, and they now have their own programs to put this together. So where before at least things were all going through our seminary and it was uniform, now the liberal districts, which had been doing these things, and we said, wait a minute, they're not supposed to. Oh, no, no, we're going to encourage them to do that even more. Um, 801A. Widespread changes in ecclesiastical supervision and dispute resolution. Another of our six points. The process of uh, the process removed a congregation's and a pastor's right to initiate formal proceedings, so that each member is held to the word of God. Now, according to 801A, the action to commence expulsion of a congregation or individual from membership of the Senate is the sole responsibility of the district president who has ecclesiastical supervision for such members. Prior to this, if Joe Pastor in the next congregation was doing something wrong, I could file charges against that. We would have our day in court. We could deal with it. At this point, if Joe Pastor in the next congregation is doing false doctrine, I have to go to the district president and say, will you please take care of him? And if the district president says, no, I think he's doing fine. You have no recourse. I have no recourse. It all fell to the district president. Now, obviously, you can see, I mean, what they did with dispute resolution panel was one thing. What they did with this was take away the charges that they had done against Banky and made sure that that would never happen again. Trinity Lutheran Church and our Southern District, uh, after this, submits overtures. Or, or the overtures that we had submitted to this were completely um, ignored. Some of them were not even allowed to be printed in the convention workbook. Said that they were patently false. Um, and so uh, these things. Um, it is in 2004 that Salem Lutheran Church in Texas ends up leaving the LCMS. Again, 2001, they said, and one of the particulars, I mean, there are other things as well, but one of the particulars that they said, they encouraged grape juice, and when they 
came to 2004 and said, okay, are you going to stay with that? Are you going to repent of that? And they didn't. They left. Um, that happens in 2004. So, uh, let me give you kind of the big picture because we're kind of getting the end. I'll come back to it. Banky, Kishnik do their thing in 2001. In 2004, the Senate approves, by re-electing Kishnik and by not disciplining Banky, approved of what happened. At this point, the Senate says yes to these things. It is at that point that I begin to teach the congregation and say, you know, at this point, we have to call the Senate to repentance, and that will happen at the next convention, three years down the road, because the first time that Senate can respond to what they did in 2004 is in 2007. So in 2005, we go into a state of confession in which we say, not only are these things wrong, but we're not going to have altar and pulpit fellowship, we're not going to do mission support, you know, we're, we are showing you by our actions that we are against these things and we're going to fight to change it. We're not leaving Missouri. We're sticking around until 2007, hoping that the convention will say, yes, what we did in 2004 was wrong and write it. When they didn't, that is the point at which we had to leave. Now, we submitted overtures and resolutions and all kinds of stuff in the meantime and, and tried to do that. So what started in 2001... We didn't end up leaving until six years later. And it involved myself, it involved the congregation, it involved others, chairman of the congregation, those who spoke up about these things and tried to let people know what's going on, call the Senate back, uh, um, and, and to write these things. Um, so that's kind of, to give you a little bit of, of, of this uh, process concerning it, I will say that, and I'll, I'll show you later, that speaking up against things, that was okay. When we went into a state of confession, um, that was the point at which people got mad. That was the point at which people were very upset, and I would say that was also the point at which even the other conservatives went, well, now, wait a minute. That, that's going a little too far. Karn? To your knowledge, are there any other congregation that's gone into state confession in Missouri? Are we the only one? Um, we did it publicly. We did it officially. Um, there are others that have used the term or have said something, but um, they've not done it in that way. There were those that spoke about it, um, and when we did that, just to give you an idea, if we went into it in 2005, January 9th, what's interesting is that we followed what the Senate said concerning these kind of things. Um, we find that February 25th, the LCMS says, uh, we're going to get the CTCR, the Commission on Theology and Church Resident, we want them to revise the policy on response <laughs> to dissents. Uh, really? And by April, they had issued a new statement. And I'm just going to tell you, the CCCR works very, very slowly. You say to them, we want a report. It's two years later before you see one. Oh, no, no. They got one out after we went into one. You know, uh, by April, the Institute of Confessionals in response to questions from the Presidium of the Senate. And regarding this, they said, yeah, what Trinity did, you're not supposed to do. And so they went against the but there was a minority report that came out later in which they said, no, that was according to. But, again, they didn't like it um, because we were actually following. The Senate's convention said, if you dissent against something Senate has done, here's what you do. We followed it to the T. Um, they did not like that. What, what does CPCR stand for? Committee on Theology and Church Relations. 
Wow. Yeah, Stephen. Who makes up that committee? They are appointed by the synodical president. Um, um, primarily seminary professors, but yes, pastors, ordained clergy are on that committee. Um, select ones are, are on that committee. Um, Again, as Senate got bigger, it used to be that pastors would get together, they would write up something, it would be approved by districts and conventions. Now they had a board where, you know, at some point you go, oh, well, we all don't agree. Oh, ask the CTCR, they'll tell us what Senate's position is, and that's what came about. About 60s, 1960s. So CTCR, when they come out with something, it still isn't equal to... The Very good. When CTCR comes out with this document in 2005, um, it is not Senate's official position unless the Senate approves of it at its next convention. So it's got kind of a, uh, a temporary status. It's still considered somewhat, you know, semi, but many CTCR documents are not uh, approved in synodical convention. Many are argued about and things of that sort. There are some that have been approved. Um, so, you know, even at this point, it's, it's questionable uh, in regards to those in regards to those things. Um, yes. Just a comment, because if a person like I'll use as for an example, if you were raised Lutheran, Missouri Center, and you don't really know all the back stuff of what's going on and you start noticing it's going you get to the point where you notice there's problems most people don't have access to an Eldona even though they exist and every other religion out there is already in their world for so long I mean they're just lost they have no place to go um, okay, I, I got about four minutes, so let me just give you a little counter so I don't push forward to anything else, but to give you just something that relates to it, and, and, and you'll see. In 2004, October, there was something called the Chicago Free Conference. Uh, Pastor Harun was down in Golconda, and myself, we both attended and went to this. Both of us are looking at what's going on and going, what are we going to do? You know, and so we're starting to look at Wells ELS, but then they published, published their church ministry statement. We started looking at, Eldon, you know, wasn't Eldonia yet, but, you know, we looked at some of the confessional kind of groups. Uh, we went to the Chicago uh, Free Conference. Um, there were at least 500 people in attendance. It was called Confession and Christ Mission. Um, at the end of this uh, conference, they published a one-page front and back called A Summary of Issues and Concerns. Uh, everyone was upset and on fire, a bunch of conservatives. There were plans to have a meeting in a year. We're going to draw up a call to repentance document regarding Senate. We're going to submit it to the attendees, come back in a year. Uh, we're going to have the complete papers drawn up concerning points of dissent, and we're going to publish it. You know, this is going to be the beginning of that. Talk later, but a year later there was no meeting at all. We'll talk about this one later next time, the first thing next time. But prior to this, during the time that our elders are going around, I'm publishing things, we're trying to get things out, I was invited to a couple different uh, groups to speak. And it was confessional pastor groups that would get together and whatever. And, and so, what are you doing? Why don't you come? Would you, you know, would you speak to us? And and so I would. I would listen to what you know they would say. I would tell them what we're doing with state of confession. I would give them some of the reports. What I found was was quite interesting. Again, up until the point of state of confession, I was welcome. After we went into a state of confession. And they saw that if there wasn't going to be repentance, that we were going to leave. I was persona non grata. Okay. Um, in fact, right after, I was invited by, there was a group that was headed up by a layman. And I'm pretty sure that he didn't know that he wasn't supposed to invite me. 
okay? The pastors went, whoa, wait a minute, you know, I mean, that was, it was good before, but after, um, nevertheless, he had already invited me, and, 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 I, and I went. Um, the reaction of the layman was like violence. <gasps> What's going on? We didn't know. I'm thinking, wait a minute, you didn't know. You know. And so, as I was explaining about what needs to happen, at this particular conference, uh, after the papers and everything was done, we got together in small groups of eight to ten around the table, and so we would talk, and there would be eight pastors and two laymen or something like that, and we would talk about wh- what we're doing and all. And uh, the chairman of the conference, of this conservative chairman conference, were going around, and they were talking about what you're doing in your congregation, you know, and and and, and, and I was thinking, man, there's just not much going on. I'm, 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 you know, these are the movers and shakers in conservative. We got to the chairman, and, and he hems and haws about things and whatever. And, and, and finally, you know, I asked him, I go, so, I, I go, does your congregation know, even know that you're at this? He goes, no. My congregation knows nothing about this situation. He said, if I told them that, you know, they would probably throw me out. So the chairman of a conservative, by and large, Violet, even the conservative pastors weren't telling their people what was going on. And so, how could they even respond to those kind of things? And so, as we went out and started speaking about this, the laymen got upset. The pastors didn't tell their people. Nothing kind of happened. We kind of went down to this. When we got to the Chicago Free Conference, what I thought, and this is the point at which I was thrown under the bus by the other conservatives because they did not want to move forward with this. And so we got this conference going. We got this going. I spoke at it. Um, and then uh, they had already ramrodded a consensus through to say, we're not going to do anything, but we promise to do something. And they had no intention of doing it. Um, I didn't find out till I got to this conference. And when I got to this conference, I found that the group that I was supposedly a part of a meeting was meeting apart from me, and they had already approved of this, and you know, I was out of cut out of the loop. So that's why it was intentionally done so that it would give the appearance of doing something, but we'll make sure that it doesn't happen. And that's what went forward with it. And Pastor Haroon can attest to the part that when you speak up to your layman, you do get yourself, basically. I mean, that's... that's um, Shirley was there at the meeting yeah. at Golconda, and she can tell you that where he actually let them know, here's what's going on, yeah. they shouted him down, and he was treated. It was, you know, it was a terrible experience. And, you know, when I look back at this, I just see the history of myself, that God has been in charge of what, it, it's just amazing to me, because I was one of these laymen that uh, did not really realize for a long time what was going on in, in the Missouri Senate, and passing her room with Ken Attic for, for once in a while, you know, and I realized, and then this binky thing in New York, and when that, you know, of course, that, you know, even woke me up. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and then, you know, you came down visiting the congregation, and so Pastor Maroon wanted to have a meeting for the congregation. And I remember thinking in my own mind, because I knew he was getting ready to retire, and he was concerned about what Pastor we would get after he left. And he said, I want to have a meeting, and I want to tell the congregation what I think they should probably do. Now, I remember thinking about this prior to this meeting, thinking, this will be good, because I'm still confused, and I think this will be good for us to ask questions and to understand what's going on. Pastor Haroon, before he could get two words out of his mouth, and this is a congregation that was very conservative, and this is what blew me, this is what just blew my mind, because this, these people are very conservative in their thinking. But before he could get two words out of his mouth, the personal attacks started on him. They must have met beforehand, too. And I just, I mean, I literally just, this was so shocking. 
because these were my friends and they were conservative. And all of a sudden, instead of sitting and listening, I mean, I really think I went in there with an open mind thinking, okay, I want to know what's going on. And then let's have a good discussion about what we're going to do. I mean, they just turned on him. You could not believe. Yeah. And it just and it just went downhill. It just went downhill from that. And I said to Pastor that because you know you could tell he was going to have to leave. Of course, he was retiring anyway. But I said, Pastor, I'm like you. You know, where where are we going to go? There are no other churches around here that you know. And I said to him, I said, Pastor, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? He said, We're going to go to Harris. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. He said, Harris. That's great. That's that's great. You're going, go to Harris. He said, Harris, we're going to go to Harris. And I said, You know, Just the like pastor up there is Carol Sue's son. And I knew Carol Sue. And I thought, I know he's got to be good because Carol Sue wouldn't have raised one that wasn't. <laughs> so I said, Okay, we'll go to Harris. And that's, that's how we ended up up here. We're out of time. When we come back next time, um, I should be able to finish through most of this. The, um, but, but remind me, there's uh, the Lord provided a unique situation here um, and the things that he set up so that, and, and it very well could have happened in, in, you know, in that way here as well. I know my own father said, so when you bring this up and when you're going to, you know, is the congregation going to go with you? And I go, Not seen it yet. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and it very well could have happened as it happened there. But we'll come back, and I'm going to explain why the situation allowed it to happen here. And and again, that's completely out of my control. Um, I, I thank you. I can, I want to do what I could, but I'm just going to say that the Lord provided, and, and we know that. Um, last. I won't be here next weekend. <laughs> so it will be recorded and it will be live streamed. So I've got to say something. I remember 2006-ish, before we voted to leave Senate, we were in our house in Heron and you and Karen were over there, and we were in our uh, great room, and we discussed what if the congregation, our congregation votes not to leave Senate, what are we going to do? And we all looked at each other and said, We'll meet here in my church, in my house, <laughs> and that's what we're going to do if the congregation didn't leave. That's where we were. And that was a possibility. I, we have no idea what was going to happen. Um, I just kind of like everything else. As I, I belonged in, in Campbell Hill, but it wasn't Missouri Senate. Yeah. It was. It started out Missouri Senate and. Uh, uh, St. Luke's were both in agreement in what they did, what they taught, what they, you know, even though St. Luke's was not Missouri Senate. And the two churches did things together, the youth groups did things together, you know, because neither church was a big church. So doing things together worked out well. Okay. Um, <laughs> through the years, then there was no communication between the two churches. Then there was when by the time I got married and everything and moved to Heron and, and stuff, we still went back to there every so often, went to church, and but I saw changes. Then it got to where I never went back anymore for church, and I stayed here. And then it got to where my mom would come here and visit now and then because she said, well, every now and then you just got to have a good sermon. What's <laughs> <laughs> your heart. You, you see what I, yeah. yeah. That's what, you know, you can see what's going on and what, you know, and she would go back to uh, Shil- oh, Shiloh, where she went back to her church where she was raised and she would go back to, you know, different places she would go on occasions you know she said but this is my church I hate to leave but it was she would come here every now and then and you know come to church and say okay but every now and then you've got to hear the the good stuff
So Ryan, not, yeah. yeah, thank you. I think this is some big group hug. We lost a lot of members. Yes, and then we picked up members from other churches of people who really sought out the conservative place to come. So when you look at our, around our congregation now, there are people from all over the place. A lot of people who were life members here left. But my grandpa Kinder would have gone with you. <laughs> Seriously. And because and he was, you know, you don't follow mankind, you follow God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, keep us faithful in your word. Continue to call us to repentance and teach us uh, that we might uh, firmly stand upon the, uh, the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.